0: Good morning, Renewal. Welcome to the Stay at Home Sunday podcast for week 45. Let's title this sermon, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus' uh, story is found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, and we will start reading it here in verse 1. It says, Jesus entered Jericho, and he was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. Mike, I know you talked a little bit about tax collectors just a couple weeks ago at the end of your sermon. Uh, Tell me what you guys know about tax collectors in first century Roman Empire, particularly in Judea.
1: Well, they were seen as traitors, like you just said. Um, They would be collecting taxes from the Jewish people for the Romans people who were occupying your country. So, I mean, imagine if somebody invaded America and then your neighbor was collecting taxes from you for them. You probably would not view them very highly.
0: Yeah, it was a common practice for empires really throughout history that when it comes to maybe enforcing their rule or collecting taxes, things like that, they would use local people from the local populations uh, to do these tasks in in the hopes that the kind of animosity that might fester in these local populations, towards the occupying force would be redirected towards their own people who they saw as traitors. And so Zacchaeus was was this. He was a traitor and the Jews would have seen him as someone who was, you know conspiring with the enemy, with the occupying force and uh, and I, I can't imagine that, Anyone would be viewed less highly than someone like that. Uh, on top of being a traitor, tax collectors were known to be dishonest as well. They were known to cheat people. So they had a responsibility to collect taxes for the Roman government. They had the muscle of Roman soldiers backing them up in that task. And and because they had the muscle behind them, they would often get away with over-collecting and lining their own pockets with uh, the riches of their Jewish uh, brothers and sisters. What's interesting is that what we know about Jesus and his ministry, he wasn't above befriending these tax collectors. You know, one of his disciples, Levi, was a tax collector. And, you know, you could imagine this would have been problematic to all kinds of people. I spent some time trying to think of modern professions that would be comparable to a first century Jewish tax collector. And I struggled to come up with something. Can you guys think of any modern professions that might be comparable to a first century Jewish tax
1: collector? I don't want to say, because I know some people who are in these professions.
2: (laughs) I choose to defer.
0: I know, right? Used car salesman. Uh, Let's go with mobsters. That's a little safer. Or a drug dealer. Or maybe a pimp. You know, I mean, these are people who maybe they're not treacherous in the way that tax collectors are, but they're the kind of people that, well, they're the kinds of careers that we don't all hope that our kids grow up and decide to choose that kind of career path. Uh, These are not the kind of people that we would expect to find serving on the church deacons board. I could imagine that if uh, it was found out that I, as the pastor at Renewal, had recruited a well-known mobster to be on our leadership team. I can just imagine that that kind of behavior would tarnish my reputation and it would tarnish the reputation of our church. And some would really be questioning the whole integrity of our operations. Like, really? So-and-so is involved? I I would want nothing to do with a church where so-and-so was involved. And I'm sure that's all true today. And it's probably just as true back in the days that Jesus was ministering. There was an inherent risk in him befriending undesirable people like tax collectors. There was a risk in him inviting Levi, the tax collector, to be his disciple. And as he is walking through Jericho, there's a risk for him to engage this man, Zacchaeus, who so desperately wants to see him. In verse 3, we read that Zacchaeus wanted to, to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. And so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. So, Initially, this passage said Jesus was passing through Jericho, and I don't want to read too much into this, but I noticed in studying this this week that Jesus decides to stay in Jericho. Suddenly, he's not passing through. He's decided to stay at Zacchaeus' house, and I think there's something about Jesus when he would interact with people, he would see them, and it's like his heart was moved and plans changed because this person was worth changing plans for. Somewhere Zacchaeus is sitting in the top of this tree, and Jesus is coming along, and he looks up in the tree, and he sees Zacchaeus, and in in that moment, when Jesus sees him, he sees not just a tax collector, not just a traitor, but he sees uh, uh, a son of God who he desires to minister to. He sees that, the people around him do not see that at all in verse 7 it says all the people saw this they saw what jesus did they heard him invite himself over to zacchaeus's house and they began to mutter they said jesus has gone to be the guest of a sinner and there we see it well, i don't want to just skip over this but what has jesus done in this moment what has he done in going to be the guest of a sinner uh, who you ate with who you associated yourself with in those days was a big deal What has Jesus declared in doing this? Do any of you guys have insight to offer into that?
2: Well, I think what he is declaring is that the definition of cleanliness is um, much different than the definition that they grew up with. So he's challenging the concept of what it means to be clean and holy um, by who he associates with, and I think he does it on purpose. If you even think about like... um, Simon the Zealot also being one of Jesus' followers. Like, this guy would have really hated Levi, the tax collector, and or Zacchaeus, because they are, like, from two different forms of life. Um, And what Jesus is doing in his ministry is he's constantly putting himself in situations where he can bridge the gap between two wildly different backgrounds and, and ways of thinking. And he's saying, you know, it's actually in us coming together and coming to common terms and common ground. That is what makes it clean and holy and, and good.
1: I was just kind of thinking about the words you chose where you said he sees him. And I think about people that we don't want to see in our society that we want to ignore Um, But to actually see them and to pull them out of the crowd and to talk to them and to be compassionate towards them is just, I mean, that's something I struggle with because I'm on a busy schedule, right? And I've got things to do. But to actually stop to see somebody and then be willing to sacrifice my schedule, right? Because I'm no longer passing through now. I'm going to stay here with Zacchaeus and spend some time with him. I think for me, that's just struck me as really profound
0: great answers. You know, I think part of the power of the gospel is that God clothed himself in frail humanity. And and Jesus wasn't too proud and he wasn't too holy to when he spent that time, you know, being dressed in human form and going around, he wasn't too proud or too holy to de- to befriend the despised of society. And and even when I think of Zacchaeus, I think of him in terms of of like the oppressed and the disadvantaged. Like when you were just saying that thing about people that we don't want to see in society, Mike, like my mind is going to, you know, the guy on the corner with the sign out of the Home Depot parking lot that I have to will myself to look at him because everything inside of me wants to look away, you know, and so I, I you know, read one time that homeless people really like it when people make eye contact with them. And I, so I have to will myself to do it because it's not an easy thing to do. I don't want to see them. It makes me uncomfortable. Um, but the interesting thing, and I think what messes with me a little bit in this story is that, that Zacchaeus, he was rejected by his his own people, but he was in a position of power and influence in society. He was in the position of oppressor. And so it's one thing to think about Jesus laying his life down for the oppressed, and we know he does that, and that's a powerful message. The controversial message is that Jesus served and loved and laid his life down to welcome the oppressor as well. You know, those who leveraged the well-being of their brothers and sisters against their own desire to gain wealth, they were invited to follow Jesus too. And and the interesting thing is Jesus doesn't say to Zacchaeus, hey, repent and then I will come to your house or give up your sinful ways and then I'll, you know, then you can offer me a seat at your table and I'll come and be with you he moves towards Zacchaeus with an invitation before Zacchaeus ever acknowledges that he has done anything wrong. And I think this is probably partly what makes people upset, right? That, that Jesus shouldn't be welcoming Zacchaeus unless Zacchaeus is really sorry for what he's done. And so the story moves on and Jesus is there at dinner, uh, hanging out with Zacchaeus, treating him with kindness treating him as if he isn't some kind of apostate traitor that he is. And then we see in the story a moment where Zacchaeus is changed by Jesus' kindness and his love. So the people are grumbling about what Jesus has done. How could he do this? But in verse 8, it says, Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'm going to pay back four times the amount. And it's in Zacchaeus's words here that I see evidence of the Holy Spirit at work in the heart of a person. You know, here's a man who up to this point in his life, he, he is, he has made his decisions based on what was in it for him. For him, money was more important than being loyal to his people. You know, kind of, hey, well, I gotta get a job, so I I'll be a tax collector. Money's more important than, you know, being true to my nation or or my people. Money was more important than his integrity. I have this job, I'm going to abuse the job and rip people off so that I can make more money than I had before. And really, in that sense, money's more important than what is right or what is wrong. I mean, all he seems to care about is gaining more money and uh, enjoying a, a lavish life with more of it. And yet in this moment when Jesus loves him and welcomes him in and, 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 you know, takes a seat at his table and in doing so offering Zacchaeus a seat at the table of the kingdom, something changed inside of him. And suddenly someone who had lived their life for money is ready to give half their possessions away to the poor. And then someone who had made a lot of money cheating people says, anything I have cheated, I'm going to pay them back four times the amount. I, to me, it'd be enough if he'd have just said he'd pay back what he took, right? Maybe with a little interest, but here he is uh, somehow moved to want to uh, to make things right, to want to change. And in the face of those comments from Zacchaeus, Jesus says to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus looks at Zacchaeus and He doesn't label him as a tax collector, but he labels him as a son of Abraham. And this whole idea of being Abraham's children, of being heirs to God's promise, it was a big deal in the Old Testament. Um, And then the New Testament makes a big deal out of the fact that we who are in Christ are heirs of this promise. And so even today, we might be tempted to look at different people in society around us and think, this person's out She's a traitor. That person's in the family. They're no longer an heir. They no longer have any part of God. They're cut off from the people. Tyler, you brought up the clean and unclean thing. And, and the language of the Old Testament law, when someone was defiled, was oftentimes that they would be kicked out of the camp until they could be clean again. And yet it's like Jesus turns that whole thing on his head and he's telling people, you are in the camp. And so come and be a part of it. From Jesus' perspective, Zacchaeus isn't cut off. He is a son of Abraham. And Jesus sees his job as going to that son of Abraham's house and declaring, even though it's controversial and even though many of Abraham's children don't think he belongs, Jesus sees his role as going to the son's house and, and calling him home. I think this is inspiring for me because it is, it's really easy for me as a Christian and as a member of God's family to let my mind go to who's in and who's out. And yet it would seem that Jesus, the one who gets to make decisions about things, seemed to make the assumption that people were in. And then trust that as he made that assumption about them and as he lived into that assumption and in his interactions with them, Zacchaeus, you're a son of Abraham. Even when the people say you're cut off, I'm going to treat you like you're a son. I'm going to love you. That somewhere that, that moving towards people and, and trusting their identity as a child of God and as one who's beloved by God, uh, and, and having that identity of theirs motivate his actions, Jesus unlocked the power of the Holy Spirit to bring about change in people's lives. And so uh, my prayer is that as we would interact with people in the coming year, uh, as we would see people around us, that we would see sons and daughters of the King first and foremost, And any uh, assumptions we might make about where they're at uh, based on how they look or the activities we think they're engaged in or whether they're fitting into all of the things that we think they should be doing, all of that would be secondary to the assumption that we make, that they are loved by the king, that they're a son of Abraham in Christ, according and heirs of all of God's promises and everything that goes with being a son or being a daughter. So let's pray. Lord, give us eyes to see. When we come across the path of a Zacchaeus or uh, whoever that undesirable person might be, whoever that person that uh, our religion tells us is out, uh, we ask that you would give us eyes to see them as in. And as we live in that reality, your Holy Spirit would draw them into living in that reality as well. And we would see people transformed uh, to the degree that Zacchaeus was transformed, completely and utterly transformed where the primary motivations of their lives. Switch. Uh, We ask for your power to be at work in us, in that way, in our community. And uh, we trust you to, uh, to have your way and to build your kingdom through us. In Jesus' name, amen.